How are you this morning? Fine. Good. Blessed. Great. Sleepy. Oh, tomorrow uh, is the official time or the official change of from summer to fall, right? Am I correct or am I right? Tomorrow, diba? After, after Labor Day? Okay, let's sing Happy Birthday to Pastor Insong. Happy Birthday to you. Okay. So tomorrow you are all invited to pray for Pastor Insong. Okay. Okay. So I want you to look to the person next to you and and share why God is good to you. Just two or three sentences. Okay. Matama na. That's enough. Okay. Baka hindi tayo matapos. Okay, so God is good, right? Okay, so we just ended our series on the book of Genesis, right? And last Sunday, we have uh, Pastor Peter on the video, and he spoke about, about, Aso? He spoke about the limitless God. Who among you believes that God is limitless? Amen, right? God is limitless. Whatever things we're going through in life, praise God because we have a limitless God. You know what? I always enjoy preaching on the Old Testament. And there was one time in our Bible study, one of the attendees in our Burbank group asked me, why are we studying the Old Testament in that we are now in the New Testament? Have you ever asked that question? Or siya lang yun? <laughs> right? What have we to do with Abraham? Nakasaya pa si Abraham. And now we're wearing what? Shorts. Okay? So, if you look at it, looks like there's no relation. Okay, but you know what? In, in, in the Old Testament, there are a lot of comical stories. There are a lot of stories wherein we can get good lessons. And in fact, the Old Testament is actually a foreshadow of what's going to happen in the New Testament. Okay, the whole Bible is focused or centered on Jesus. And from time immemorial when man fell into sin, God has a redemptive plan. And we can best understand the redemptive plan of God if we study the Old Testament. So this morning we are going to talk about the book of Exodus. Okay, the Exodus is part of the five books, the first five books in the Old Testament. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, the, theolog the theologians call this the Pentateuch. Penta meaning five. And this is actually part of the Jewish Bible all the, or the Torah. They focus their teachings on the Torah. Exodus actually is not a separate book. It is actually a continuation of Genesis. So after studying Genesis, what happens next? We go to Exodus. Let me share with you the main, the main segments or sections of the book of Exodus. And Exodus focus on God's love. In Genesis, God has called Abraham and he has blessed Abraham. He has blessed his sons. Okay, he has blessed the descendants of Abraham. And we see in the book of Exodus, God's love in action is shown in the entire book. Generally, there are three sections in the book of Exodus. So we have the first part, wherein the people of Israel were in bondage. The second one is when they were delivered from the slavery of Pharaoh or from the slavery of Egypt. And the third one is actually the sanctification section. This is where we see how God wanted us to worship Him. This is actually the foundation of our belief or our theology. The author of the book of Exodus is actually Moses, and it was written for the people of Israel. So now the question is, if it was written for the people of Israel, why are we studying it? Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, he says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Meaning the Old Testament is not just a fable or just a record of history. But the Old Testament was specifically written for our example. So that we would know how to act accordingly when we go to the New Testament or how we're going to conduct ourselves in this dispensation of grace. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, please look at the neighbor next to you. See if that person is sleeping and wake him up. <laughs> now let's look at some of the key verses in the book of Exodus. Okay, the first one is in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Isn't it great to know that we have a limitless God who can see our affliction? Isn't it great to know that we have a God who sees that you are sick this morning? Isn't it great to know that God knows 
how many dollars you have in your wallet and in your bank account. Isn't it great to know that we have a God who heard the quarrel you had with your spouse this morning or yesterday? Isn't great to know that we have a God who knows that you are not talking to your siblings over a piece of land that you guys are quarreling? Isn't great to know that we have a God who knows that you broke up with your boyfriend last week? Isn't it great to know that we have a God who knows that you are at the verge of divorce? Isn't it great to know that we have a God who knows that you're hooked into drugs? God sees your affliction. God sees your affliction. Whatever things you're going through right now, God sees it. God knows it. And you know what? God even understands what you're thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, Uy, anong kakainin ko mamaya? God knows that. Amen? I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry. We have a God who answers our prayers. He heeds to our cry. Whether your need, your problem is big or small, God is going to answer our cry, to our cries. The problem with us sometimes is because we wanted God to answer on the basis of what we want to happen. Right? We have a problem, we have an issue in life, and we already know what's supposed to be the answer. And if God does not answer us on the basis of what we want to happen, we begin to question God's existence. We begin to question God's love. We begin to question, Nasaan ka, Dios? Where are you? But you know what? God is a God who answers our prayers. And in fact, He knows what your needs are even before you open your mouth and ask Him for help. We have a God who answers our prayer. Look at the next one. I am aware of their sufferings. God is aware of what we're going through every single day. Let's continue. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and bring them up from, the land, from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzites and the Hivite and the Jebusites and the Bresites. Ah, wala pala riyan, Okay. God said that I have come down to deliver them. You know what? Many people are in bondage. Some of us are in bondage of sickness. Some of us are in bondage of addiction. Some of us are in bondage of gossip. 
Some of us are in bondage of jealousy. But you know what? I have a good news for you. God said, I have come down to deliver you. You know what true freedom is? Many people think freedom is freedom from having a boss. Freedom from having a controlling parent. Freedom from having somebody over us. That's not freedom. What is true freedom? True freedom is when you are in Christ. True freedom is when you are relieved of those bandages. And the Bible says that God has come down to deliver us from Egypt. What is Egypt? Egypt is actually symbolic of the world. It is symbolic of, of the things of this, this earth. It is symbolic of the devil. It is symbolic of things that are holding us down. And you know what? Whatever you do, you can't do it. Only God can deliver us. You can't deliver yourselves from where you are right now. Only God. And you know what? The worst kind of bondage or the worst kind of prison is when we think we are not in bondage. Sometimes we are just in bondage of our paradigm, in bondage of our mindsets. And we need to be delivered from that. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. It is only God who can deliver us out of Egypt. It is only God who can deliver us out of the bondage that we are in right now. And I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. Don't worry. God is never blind to your tears. Never deaf to your prayers and never silent to your pain. He sees, he hears, and he's never too far. But sometimes we think that God is blind, right? Or it's just me. Just me. Okay, you know what? God is not blind. God is his each and every one of us, and he knows what we are going through. Then, in verse 7, Exodus chapter 6, Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Note, God said, I want you to be my people, and I want you to be my God. God wanted to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, so that they can go to where God has promised them, so that they can worship God. God did not say that I am going to deliver you out and bahala na kayo. No. God said, I am going to deliver you out because I want you to be my people and I want you to be my God. God wants to have that intimacy with you. God wants to have that relationship with you. God wants to talk to you, and God wants to hear you talk to Him. 
God wants you to be out of bondage. Why? Because He longs for that relationship to be restored between you and Him. Amen? He said, And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. You will know the goodness of God. You will know the greatness of God. You will know a limitless God if you are able to experience who God is in your life. But if you are bounded by sin, if you are in prison, you will never experience the goodness of God in your life. Why? Because your focus is not on God, but your focus is on other things. Amen? Are you learning something? Many of us are in bondage, and God wants us, God wants to deliver us. Either we are in bondage of sin, or we are free to worship God. The Bible says that we cannot serve two masters. Either you serve God, or you serve Mammon. You cannot walk like Sakang. You know what Sakang is? Okay. Alam niyo na yun. Okay, now let's go back to the chart that I showed you earlier. The book of Exodus is divided into three major parts. The bondage when the people of Israel were in bondage. The second part was the deliverance that, they, that the people of Israel experienced with God through Moses. And the third one was when the covenant or the Ten Commandments was handed down to the people at Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 12, it gives us a story of the Passover. What is the story of the Passover? This is the time when God instructed Moses and the children of Israel that you are to kill an unblemished lamb and you are to sacrifice that and that you're going to put the blood on the corners or on the post of your doors and you are to roast that lamb and you're going to have a dinner. Okay, because, because the angel of death is going to pass by and without that blood on the doorpost, the firstborn will die. You know, the Israelites or the Jews still celebrates what they call the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. What is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread? This is sometimes known as the Feast or the Passover. You know, in Jewish tradition, during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, they go around inside their house, they clean their house, they make sure that there are no yeast in their house, Okay, and they bake an unleavened bread. What is that unleavened bread? That tinapay na payat. No yeast. And what is yeast? Yeast actually, my wife was telling me this morning, yeast actually is, uh, is that agent that makes the bread puff up. Yeast represents sin. The very reason why God doesn't want them to eat leavened bread it's because God wants to take away all the yeast in the household. Because sin makes us puff up and we become proud. So they have 
the roasted lamb, okay, the unblemished one. They have the unleavened bread, okay, and then they have the bitter herb. Bitter herb represents the bitterness that they have encountered when they were under slavery. And that, on that Passover night, God has instructed them that you, have, you are to be ready because once the ghost signal is given, you are going out of Egypt. That ritual, that ceremony, that feast of the unleavened bread or that Passover was instituted by Christ in the New Testament. Remember on the day of the Passover, Christ himself called his disciples. And they were in a room. They were having their, what we call, the Last Supper. One of the things that I notice is that for every covenant, there is always a meal. Diba tayo, all of us, whatever culture, when we celebrate something, we go out with our families, with our friends, to have a meal. Right? During wedding ceremony, there's a meal afterwards. Tomorrow is Pastor Insong's birthday. There's going to meet to have a meal in their house tomorrow. Why? Because there's a celebration. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus Christ is going to be the ultimate sacrifice. And God is ratifying the new covenant, ratifying the new testament, that He's going to die for you and for me. And there was that celebration in the upper room. They have the Last Supper. Even Abraham, when God promised Abraham that he's going to, when God gave him that Abrahamic covenant, they have a meal outside the tent. The Lord's Supper is not simply a meal. It is a covenant meal. Wherein Christ is inviting all believers. Christ is inviting you and me to partake of that meal, to partake of that covenant meal. And in that covenant meal, Jesus is saying that I have paid it all. You don't need, we don't need to re-sacrifice Christ. But the sacrifice was done once and for all. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. For what? To save us from the bondage. To save us from Egypt. To save us from the prison that we are into. And God is pulling us out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that is the covenant that God has for each and every one of us. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 11, 23-24, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed, 
took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as open, often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So Apostle Paul is giving us the groundwork whenever we partake of the Lord's table. We are to examine ourselves. This covenant meal is for people who have received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You don't have to be a member of CCF. You don't have to be a member of another church to partake of this element. It is your relationship that gives you the right to partake of the Lord's Supper. And Paul is saying that whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are to examine ourselves and see if there are things in our lives that are not right. The Bible says that we have to leave our offering and go back to that thing that has bothered us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Nobody's perfect, but because of Jesus, we were made righteous before God. And this morning, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. I am inviting each and every one of us to come. Come, get the bread and get the wine, and we're going to partake this all together. You know what? There's nothing fancy with this bread and this wine. This is the symbol of Christ's body. This is not Christ's body. It doesn't trans or it doesn't become magic and become Christ's body. The symbol of Christ's body as we take it, we take it by faith. That the reason why Jesus died on the cross is for to us to be blessed. To be blessed what? Our salvation. In Isaiah, it says, He was wounded for our transgression. He was crushed because of our iniquities. And that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. So by faith, as we take this bread as the symbol of Christ's body, we are celebrating with Jesus the new covenant that He has given to each and every one of us. Let's partake of the bread.
there is an old hymn that says, What can take away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is the symbol of Christ's blood. As we partake of it, by faith, we are receiving Christ's forgiveness. By faith, we are receiving the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, and future. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. By faith, let us receive that power in our lives. Let's take of the juice. Can you please pass the cups towards the center or towards the aisle? Are you guys blessed? I see some faces are smiling because they said, yeah, hey, service is finished. Right? Because we normally end our service with the Lord's Supper. So I just finished the introduction on the book of Exodus. Okay. So let's move on. Ay, meron pa pala. Sometimes we feel that God is too far away. Right? Sometimes when we pray, we pray hanggang ceiling lang. Or it's just me. No, sorry. I'm on the wrong place. It's just me. So what do we do when God seems so silent? Do you feel that God is silent? Do you feel that God just don't care? He's just up there somewhere. That's what I feel before I got to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I was sharing with the D group at, at Eagle Rock last Friday. My concept of God is that, was that when God created us, He went back to heaven and then He has a monitor in heaven or a small hole and he looks at our sufferings and he's so happy whenever we see we suffer. And because of that, I hated God. Because of that, I cursed God. Grew up, did not feel the love of a father, grew up from a broken family. I've been, I've been, uh, uh, a battered child I was abused how would you think that God loves me if that was your experience and you know sometimes we feel that way right or correct God seems so far away so what do we do when God is silent. Many of us, like King David, 
when he wrote the book of Psalms, felt in one way or the other that God has abandoned us. In Psalms 13, verses 1, 5, and 6, David said, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? But David said, I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. How can we sing in the night? The book of Habakkuk says that though the fig tree fails to blossom or fruits be on the vine, Habakkuk said, yet I will praise him. David was saying, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? David felt that he, has, he was forgotten. And yet he said, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Exodus. This is now Exodus starts. Now, now means this is a continuation of Genesis, right? Now these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. They came each one with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Issachar, Sebulun, and Benjamin. Dan and Naphtali, God and Asher. Now, I'd like to share with you the 12 tribes of, where we derive the 12 tribes of Egypt, or sorry, of Israel. Just checking if you guys are still awake. Okay, so we can see here that it started with Abraham. When God called Abraham, get thee out of the country for where you are, and I will bring you to a land. Okay, flowing with milk and honey. That was the promise of God. And I will make your descendants great. But it was just Abraham and Sarah at that time. And Abraham and Sarah had a son. Okay, they had Isaac. And Isaac married Rebekah. Rebekah had two twins, or one twin, Esau and Jacob. Jacob had wives, Leah, Silpah, Bilhah, and Rachel, and they all had children. And out of Joseph, Jacob considered Abraham and Manasseh part of the inheritance that was given to Joseph's children, and thus formed the 12 tribes of Israel. Exodus chapter 1, verse 5 and 7, let's continue. All the persons who came from the loins of Jacob were 70 in number, but Joseph was already in Egypt. So there were only 70 men who went to Egypt because there was famine in the land of Canaan. Okay, And when they came to Egypt, Joseph was already in Egypt. Why? Because Joseph was sold into slavery. And when he was sold into slavery, 
The Bible says that God was with him, and because God was with him, wherever or whatever Joseph did, God has prospered him. He was sent to the jail, God prospered him. He became the chief, chief among the prisoners. Okay? And then, because of that, God orchestrated a way for him to become the next person or the next leader in the land of Egypt after Pharaoh. Okay. So, it happened in a span of about 400 years. And the Bible says in Exodus 12:37 that there were about, about this time, there were about 600,000 men. So, according to Bible scholars, if you include women, their wives or their spouses and their children, that will reach about 2 million. There were about 2 million people already in Egypt. Joseph died. And all his brothers and all that generation. But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. Did you notice that it started with Abraham? And from Abraham, they moved to Egypt. There were about 70, 60 of them. And the Bible says, in a span of 400 years, in verse 7, that the children of Israel were very fruitful and increased greatly. Can you just imagine if the United States will be 90% Filipinos? No, no, huh? Because a lot of Filipinos are going back now to the Philippines. Because the Philippines, they said, or it's been prophesied that it's going to be the next U.S. of Asia. Do you believe that? Yes. I believe God is working something in our country. Whatever it is, I do not know. Okay? But the Bible says that when Israel, the, the Jewish people were in Egypt, God multiplied them and they increased greatly. And they became exceedingly mighty. You know what? If you are, if God choose you, wherever you go, you will be blessed. Right? When you go through crisis in life, people will still be amazed. This guy is having a lot of issues, having a lot of problems. Why is it that this guy looks blessed? This guy is only earning just like me. Why is it that this guy smiles like a millionaire? Did you notice that people who have Jesus in their lives, people who have the presence of God in their lives, they are the happiest, joyful, industrious people on this planet? Right? Sila yung masisipag? Right? You know, Christian life is not, you know, it's not the bed of roses. Yeah, it's a bed of roses, but there are thorns. But you know what? These people are blessed. 
wherever you go, whether you are in America, you're in Japan, you're in the Philippines, wherever you are, God will bless us. And blessing is not just material things. Blessing is a blessing in relationship. Of course, material things is part of it. Our health will be blessed. Our families will be blessed. Okay, so they multiplied. They were increasing in number. You know what the Lord has promised centuries earlier to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Remember in Genesis, God promised them that they're going to be a great nation. It was starting to unfold in the book of Exodus. So we can see here that they are now a great nation. Right? They're now about 2 million people in Egypt. God is faithful to his covenant. And what was God's covenant? Let's look at it. First, in Genesis chapter 12, and chap- verses 2 to 3, 15 and 18, God promised Abraham that he will make him a great nation. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. To your descendants, I have I will give this land. It was just Abraham and Sarai. And then, when they had Isaac, in Genesis chapter 26, verse verse 4, God strengthened that promise to Abraham. He said, I will multiply your descendants. I will give your descendants all these lands. By your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. It did not stop there. God continued to give that promise to Isaac's son, Jacob. And later on, his name was changed to Israel. The land on which you will lie, or you lie, I will give it to you. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. Can you count the dust? Not even the dust in, in the aquarium, right? Or the sand in the aquarium. But it, here, here it says, your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. In you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So if we look at what happened in Genesis, there were a lot of barriers. There were a lot of limitations. When God promised them, they were in certain situations that you think will never happen. In fact, Remember Sarah laughed when she heard that, you know, they will be, God promised them that they will give them a son. She laughed. Why? Because what? Sarah was barren and old. Okay. And Abraham was also old. So that was very impossible. And yet, when God promised something, God is going to make, to make sure it happens. So if God promises us that He's going to bless us, God is going to make sure that it happens. For the Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not return to me void. That's what the Lord said. That's what the Lord said. So even if God seems so silent, 
God's promises are yea and amen. Amen? Now, a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Life is uncertain. You know, if you've read the news, what's going on in, in the Philippines, there's a new administration, there's a new president. And what's going on? The appointees of Pinoy are scared. Why? There's a new administration. Pretty soon, we will have a new president here in the United States. There's going to be a new administration. Things change. Political climate change. So in Exodus, it, sa it, it says that there was a new king who did not know Joseph. Remember, this was a span of 400 years. So there were a lot of kings, a lot of pharaohs that came in after the pharaoh that knew Joseph. So at that time, 400 years, they totally forgot all about Joseph. Just like when Ninoy Aquino was assassinated. Oh, Ninoy, we have this Edsa revolution, right? We have this Edsa celebration. But as time goes by, people start to forget. The king, the new king, now does not know Joseph. Okay, let's move on. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than me. Wow! This king was jealous. Right? The people of Israel are mightier than us. They're more handsome than us. No, I'm more handsome than you. Okay, so this king said, hey, he's, he's intimidated. Why? What's going on? The people of Israel are growing in numbers. And he said they are more mightier than us. Come, let us deal wisely with them or else they will multiply and in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. You know, when you are blessed, people around you will conspire against you. Did you experience that? When you are getting good grades in school, people will say, hmm, he's just cheating. When I was a student before, not many years ago, whenever I get good grades, they will say, oh, he has a leakage. Sip, sip. Isn't it that when you're also promoted at work, People say, unlakas. Right? Right? Alam nyo, if you're bearing fruit, people will, you know, throw stone. People will not throw stone at you if you're not bearing fruit. So since the people of Israel are blessed or were blessed and are multiplying, okay, people, even the leadership, conspire against the people of Israel. 
So he said, come, let us deal wisely with them or else they will multiply. So that the king wanted to what? To make sure that the Jewish people or the people of Israel doesn't grow as they were growing at that time. Doesn't become mighty as they were becoming mighty at that time. So the leadership, probably he called his cabinet leaders and said, this is what we're going to do. We cannot allow this to happen. We cannot allow the Egyptians to be the minority. Just like what's happening here in the U.S., right? The whites are now the minority. And who are the majority? Kepaso. Right? Hola. Same is true is here. The Jewish people are becoming the majority. And the Egyptian people were kind of afraid. So they conspire against the people of Israel. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. Take note, with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh's storage cities, Pithom and Ramses. You know, from a chosen people, the Jewish people are the most persecuted race or nationality that I've ever known. Right? They went through the hands of Adolf Hitler. They went through gas chambers. The world wanted to wipe out the Jewish people. Okay, you know, it started even during the time of Exodus. Hard labor. Who among you here experienced the Japanese hard labor? Not me. <laughs> okay, so the Jewish people experienced that hard labor under Pharaoh's hand. That was very difficult. So from being the chosen people to the most persecuted people. There's so much anti-Semitism nowadays. Many people hated the Jews. Okay. Some of the Arab world, they will bomb other countries. They will bomb population. They will bomb people. And if you ask them why, the reason is because of Israel. Right? They blame everything to the Jews. So let's move on. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. Didn't you notice that the more they will send to hard labor, the more that they multiplied? The more they spread out so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. And the Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously. Slave. Slave. In the olden days, slaves don't have rights. In here, you're not just able to, they didn't hear what you were saying. Oh, they're violating my rights. During those times, there were no rights. Their only right is hard labor. And in fact, because they were, despite the fact that they are 
on hard labor, they're still blessed. What happens? The more that they give hard labor to the people of Israel. And you know, the more difficult we go through, if we are in Christ, the more that we will become fruitful. Sometimes we go through hardships in life. We go through trials in life. God allows it to happen. Why? Because God wanted you to be a blessing to other people. Why? Because you've experienced it. So the people of Israel, they went through those difficulties. And yet the Bible says, the more they multiplied. The more they increased. The more that they receive God's favor. Amen? And they made their lives bitter with hard labor in mortar and bricks and at all kinds of labor in the field. All their labors which they rigorously imposed on them. So it was very difficult for them. Hard labor. They will in prison. They were in bondage. I was just wondering how many of us are still in bondage. I was just wondering. In fact, when I was preparing this message, I've asked myself. And just like David said, search me, O God. Know my hearts, know my thoughts. Lord, what are the things that have put me in prison. Am I still in bondage? Are there still sin that I enjoy doing? Are there still sin? Are there still some favorite sins that I love to do every day? And God showed me some soft spots in my life. And I do not know with you. Probably some of us are still in bondage of pornography. Probably some of us are still in bondage of addiction. Or not addiction. Probably vices. Probably some of us are still in bondage of smoking. Or probably some of us might still be in bondage of sexual immorality or probably some of us might still be in bondage of lying and day in and day out the people of Israel were forced into hard labor and don't you know when we are in bondage it's just like the devil is imputing on us forced labor I do not know. But this morning, you know, there's a solution to that. And the book of Exodus will tell us how to get out from that bondage. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra, and the other name and the other was named Pua. Shipra means fair and and Pua means splendid. You know, when you look at 
the book of Exodus, the first few chapters, it only mentioned two names, the names of these midwives. Why is that? We will learn that this morning and as we study the book of Exodus. So the king said to the Hebrew wives, so he spoke to them, I would like to think that these midwives are the leaders of the midwives association in Israel at the time. So he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. This is the first recorded genocide. The king wanted to kill every male child. So what did he do? He spoke to the midwives and told the midwives, if it were a male, you are to kill them. If not, let the baby live. Why is that? Remember in the previous chapter, the king was kind of disturbed because the people of Israel are growing in numbers. So he wanted to make sure that he controls the population. That was the first recorded birth control also. But actually, it's not birth control. It was actually genocide. They wanted to get rid of the male babies. But the midwives, praise God, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them. But let the boys live. I think this is also the first recorded civil disobedience. Why? Because these midwives did not follow what the king has said. Peter, in the book of Acts, said, we ought to obey God than men. Why? Because at that time, they were being forbidden to preach the word of God. And Peter said, I'd rather obey God than men. And in here, the leadership or the government is telling them, kill every male. However, these midwives feared God and what does the Bible say? They did not obey the king. Okay, you know, obedience to authorities, obedience to leadership, you know, there are also limitations to that. God is telling us that we are to be subject under authority. We have to obey them. We have to respect them. But the Bible says, if it is already contrary to the word of God, in the book of Acts, it said, I'd rather obey God than men. Can you think of a rule or, or can you think of a command that our leaders are telling us which are contrary to the word of God? So if you can think of anything, obey. 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 Amen? So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and let the boys leave? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. Probably, 
when they heard that there's going to be a Hebrew uh, mother going to give birth, probably they will just walk slowly. Right? So that when they get there, the baby's out. I do not know. That's just my imagination. But the Bible says that they did not obey what Pharaoh or what the king has told them to do. And because of that, God was good to the midwives. And the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives obeyed God. Because the midwives feared God. God said, or what did God do? God was good to them. In the olden days, according, according to cultural uh, scholars, they were saying that midwives are kind of second class citizens. Why? Because they are, these, these women don't have children. And during that time, if you don't have a baby or you don't have a child, you are cursed. That's why when, when Hannah was praying before God, he was really crying. Why? Because she doesn't have a baby. She doesn't have a son. And she was asking God to give her a son or to give her a baby. And the midwives were, these are second class people. But you know what? As earlier mentioned, there were only two names in Exodus, in the early part of Exodus that was mentioned. We don't even know the name of the king. It mentioned the name of the two midwives. You know, God uses ordinary people. Well, in fact, these midwives are, not, are even less ordinary. But if we allow ourselves to be used by God, God is going to work mighty things through you. Because the Bible says that God uses the foolish things or the ordinary things of this world to what? To confound, confound the wise. God can use you. Whatever your background is, whatever ethnicity you came from, whatever things you have done in the past, if we will just allow ourselves to be used by God, God is going to work miracles. God is going to work mighty things through us. Amen? Because the midwives feared God, He established households for them. Imagine they don't have children, and because the midwives feared God, what did God do? He established households for them. Meaning, they got children. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Because they are obedient to God, God has blessed them with what they were desiring for. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, the Bible says that He will give you the desires of your heart. If we continue delighting in Him, God is giving you that delight. God is giving, going to give you that desire so that when you ask for it, surely God is going to give it to us. Because the midwives feared God, God has blessed them tremendously. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, Every son who is born, you are to cast into the Nile. 
and every daughter you are to keep alive. Wow! Imagine if that happens to us here. Lahat ng pangit, ah, hindi. Okay? All the male children to be thrown into the Nile and only women will live. Very awful, right? Right? Very awful. That's genocide. He wanted to control the population. He wanted to control the children of Israel. They don't want them to grow. They don't want them to become mighty. That's why he is doing that. In Europe, they always have an annual chess game or annual chess competition. You know what chess is? Who knows what chess is? Okay. There was this grandmaster. He took a break, went to the museum, and he saw this painting. He saw this painting. And there is a title on that painting. The title of that painting is Checkmate. For those of you who are playing chess or know about chess, what does it mean when you say checkmate? You're about to win. No more moves. The king is almost dead. Helpless duck. Right? So this grandmaster was looking at it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And he left, went back, look at it again. And he said, you know what? Something is wrong with this picture. Something is wrong with this picture. Ah, something is wrong with this picture. So the people around them, you know, went around him and said, Master, what are you talking about? Oh, something is wrong with this picture. They need to change this picture or they need to change the title. And they asked him, why? Because there is still one move. The king can still move. Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor said that your life is ending. But the Bible says, God, the king, still has a move. They're about to sign the divorce paper. But the Bible says that the king still has a move. I do not know. Sometimes we feel that the devil has already won. In fact, when Jesus was nailed on the cross, the devil already rejoiced. Because he thought, that's the end of it. Second day, he's dead. Oh, the devil is just happy. I won. I won. But on the third day, the power of God raised Jesus from the dead. And that power that raised Jesus from the dead is still the same power that is available for you and for me to bring us out of bondage. That same power is the same power.
were available for you and for me to bring us out from that difficulty or that thing that is gripping our lives. And that same power is available for you and for me to restore relationships. The king still has another move. If you think that that's the end of it, no, no, no. I don't think so. If the devil says it's checkmate, just tell the devil, I don't think so. Amen? So it was very difficult for the people of Israel. They were in bondage. And the devil thought, I have already won. Why? Because God has promised that what? Out of the, out of the line of Abraham will come the Messiah. And the devil is trying to stop these people from growing because he doesn't want the Messiah to come out from this line. So they were trying to kill, to kill all the male babies that were born. So he was jubilant. But you know, God has another move. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. Now look at this, for those of you who are not married. For us to be to be really blessed. For us to be used of God. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you will note, a man from the house of Levi went to marry a daughter from the house of Levi. In short, they were of the same faith. They did not compromise. And because of that, God worked a miracle through this family. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. She was, when he saw that the child was beautiful. You know, every children born, every, each and every one of us, God sees beauty in us. God sees beauty in you. And when God looks at you, oh, this child is beautiful. Amen? Look at the person next to you. Come on, wake up. You're beautiful. In Hebrews 11:23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Because the rule or what the king said to kill all the male, this couple believe that God has something in store for their child. That's why they hid the child for three months. And they were not afraid of what the king is going to do. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him in a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. 
Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Before we proceed, let's go back to that verse. It just dawned upon me that, you know, for the children, your parents will always do what they can to protect you. And the sad part nowadays is that even their parents means that they would like to protect their children and they wanted their children to experience good things in life. Sometimes we resent. We rebel. But look at Moses. What did the mother do? What did the parents do? They tried their best to protect their children from the evil one. That's why children, thank God for your parents. They took care of you when you were still a baby. And even now that you guys are, sometimes you're at the age of reason, they are still there and they wanted to give the best to you. And of course, sometimes we misunderstood them. And sometimes, you know, parents, they do it and, you know, they were raised at a certain time in their lives that they have difficult mindsets. That's why sometimes we are upset at them. But you know what? Your parents love you. Amen, parents? Tahimik bigla. We have our own ways of bringing up our children, like, like, like the parents of Moses. He was hiding him, he was covering him, protecting him from what's going to happen. And what did they do? They sent the sister at a distance to find out what would happen. That's why here in CCF, we're striving our best to teach us in all aspects of our lives, including parenting. That's why for those of you who have not registered, it's not too late. It's not too late. Actually, actually, I would like to ask somebody to come up here on stage to share with you what God has done in his life when he attended the parenting seminar with Pastor Peter. Okay, remember, today is the last week. You cannot register on the 11th. Because on the 11th, if you do that, you will be by yourself, you will be talking by yourself there in La Salle, and nobody will listen to you. Okay, let me call Brother Stan. Well, for those of you, for those of you who does not know me, my name is uh, Stan Ali Tag Tag. <laughs> well, it is a privilege for me to be standing here in front of you and say a few words and hopefully be, be an encouragement to some, if not to all of you. In August 2, CCFLA launched a family seminar entitled 
unlocking the gulo. This is when me and my wife, Nancy, she's downstairs, uh, first attended CCFLA. It was Pastor Peter Tanchi who delivered the message about biblical parenting. We were so blessed that we came back and attended the following Sundays. And the rest is history. Pastor Danny right away discipled me and my wife through Skype. We got excited that we wanted to be discipled right away. But when the idea started to sink in, and when we began to understand the concept, we almost wanted to give up. I told myself it's going. I told myself it's going to be uncomfortable, and I don't want to be discipled and be asked with some very personal issues of our life. Because at the time, my idea of discipleship is just like a discipleship program that me and my wife went through already in another church, where you will be taking series of lessons about the Bible, the church, salvation, and etc that once you completed them, you will receive a certificate and then you're done. That's discipleship. But here in CCF, uh, we found out discipleship is very different. Personal issues, problems, and even sins is being dealt with. It's hard and it's, it hurts. But my wife and I realized that this is what we need. We need someone who can help us grow. I am fully persuaded in my heart and my mind that this is the true and biblical way of discipleship. I remember one time when my wife and I were having a discipleship meeting with Pastor Danny and Sister Grace. I asked the question that, what is the goal of this discipleship? And uh, when are we going to complete the discipleship lesson? Then Pastor Danny said, Christ-likeness. Or until we become like Christ. Or oh, in my mind I said, um, I can never become like Christ. So if that's the goal, then it will take forever for me to become one. So I said jokingly, Pastor Danny, uh, am I the one stuck with you or you're the one who stuck with me? <laughs> we just both left. So during the course of our discipleship with Pastor Danny, we needed to be transparent to them because that's what they are to us. My wife begins to share the good and the bad and even the ugly aspects of our marriage. Again, it was not easy. But we know that that is what we need. Then with Pastor Winsong and Lakewood uh, Couples D Group, um, we got plugged in right away. The Lord led us, to, led us to be with this group, D Group. One thing I first noticed among men within the D Group was they are so open and willing to, to share even their life struggles the discussion, concern, and caring is authentic. For the first time in my life, I feel I'm at home and safe, and I can share even my deepest secrets, so I start, started opening up. Also, and the same thing with my wife. Every time our D-group discussion, my heart burns. When the truth of God, God's word penetrates into my heart, it was not easy and uncomfortable. But we decided to stay because we strongly believe God led us here to CCF so that we can grow. Through the messages of every Sunday and, and the accountability in our D group, the Lord started to impress into my heart that I need to be an active spiritual leader of my own family and not just be passive in my leadership. Pastor Danny used to say husbands should disciple their wives and children, and once you started doing that, 
God will start sending people to you so that they can be discipled also. You don't have to look for them. They will look for you because God will send them. A few months ago, we started to do family devotions every Sunday. My wife started to notice the changes in me. I am no longer very sarcastic, exaggerated, and conceited person. Well, almost. <laughs> According to my wife, I'm a work in progress, and I praise God for that. My relationship with Maya is now much better. As Pastor Insong puts it, the gap between our issues, our quarrels, our conflict is much wider, or it got wider and wider. So it's been a little, a little over two years now since we joined CCF. And I could honestly say, my wife and I, our relationship as husband and wife, and as a family, continues to grow and continues to be blessed by God. It is my prayer that I could continue to obey and effectively disciple my household. I thank God for Pastor Danny and Sister Grace, Pastor Ensong and uh, Sister Lynette, the men and women in our dear group, and the church as a whole. Um, for you played a very important role for me and my family. To God be all the praises and all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Thank you. That's why, are you blessed with the sharing of, Amen. understand? That's why if you have not registered, <laughs> if you have not registered, okay, Sister Tessa is outside. Register. If $40 is an issue, talk to Pastor in song, talk to me. Just talk. Just talk. <laughs> okay? We will try to do something. Okay? Now your role, if you are working, is to look for a substitute. Okay? Don't say, I am sick. Okay? Tell the truth. I am going to attend a parenting seminar. I encourage everyone who are here to join on Saturday. Amen? Amen. Can you give me five more minutes? Okay. Five more minutes. So what, what happened? Uh, the sisters stood from afar to find out what's going to happen. And what happened? The daughter of Pharaoh, what? Decided to take a bath. On that same time, imagine, pwede naman siya maligo ng ibang oras. Why all of a sudden, she wants to do it on that time? Why didn't the crocodiles eat the baby? Why, didn't, why is it that the basket was just caught in a reed just in time for the Pharaoh's daughter to take a bath? Why? Because God orchestrated it. Nothing happens by accident. That's why I am telling you, if you register, it will not be an accident. Don't tell me that dapaka lang dun. No, it is God who is going to orchestrate that. Amen? Amen? Okay, so what happened when Pharaoh's daughter saw the baby? You want to know? 
next Sunday, I want you to be back. Okay? And we will talk about what happened to that baby. Hindi ako yung baby, ha? Okay, we will talk what happened to that baby. So to summarize what we have learned this morning, number one, all of us are in bondage in one way or the other. And we cannot help ourselves. And it is only God who can do that. God will come down to pull you out from where you are right now. Because what? We serve a limitless God. God wanted to pull us out of bondage because God wanted us to serve Him. God wanted us to be His people. And God wanted us to recognize Him as our God. In short, God wanted to have a relationship with each and every one of you. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the things that we have learned this morning. Lord, indeed, you are a good and gracious God. Thank you, Lord, for pulling us out from the kingdom of, from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. Thank you for sending your son on the cross so that each and every one of us can be saved. Lord, we offer to you our lives. For those of us who have not known you as our personal Lord and Savior, I ask, dear Father, that you will, you will open opportunities for us to relationship and fellowship with you. And Lord, we commit also to you our upcoming parenting seminar on Saturday. I pray, dear God, that you will bring people, Lord God, into that seminar. Lord, it is not CCF, it's not Pastor Insong, but it's all about you. And we know, Lord God, that something good is going to happen to each and every lives that will be attending that parenting seminar. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord God, even as we go to our respective houses, Lord, as we go home, I pray, dear Lord, that you will be with us. Also, thank you, Lord God, that you're going to bless the food that we are about to partake this afternoon, Lord God. As we celebrate Pastor Insong's birthday, Lord God, bless him, Lord God. We speak blessings to him, Lord God, and I ask, Lord, that whatever he does, it will all be for your own glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.